Amen. Aren't you glad faith can bring the victory? Amen. Matter of fact, it just not can, but it does. Amen. Faith is the victory. Well, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We've been in our Ecclesiastes study a while, and uh, we're going to go ahead and continue in that tonight. And <clears throat> even though it's Father's Day, I think obviously we uh, tried to focus a little more on that this morning. Tonight, we're just going to continue with our series here in Ecclesiastes. And every week, we seem to be, we just jump into another chapter. It's not like we're trying to <clears throat> you know, do a comprehensive study of Ecclesiastes here. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's lunch. But anyway, um, <clears throat> uh, we're just trying to get something done here, um, you know, in Ecclesiastes, learn a thought here or there in each chapter. And tonight's no different, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We're going to begin reading in verse 11, 11 through 13, and then we'll go from there. Well, because sentence, again, chapter 8, verse 11 through 13, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked. Neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. Well, Solomon, again, as we've mentioned before, is a man that enjoyed all types of, and every type of pleasure that life had to offer. And he himself was searching for answers. Again, the book is, is, is written by a man, so we have to be a, <clears throat> very aware of that as we look at the, the, the statements that are made, as we consider what he's saying and how he's saying it. We have to compare Scripture with Scripture. We can't just take his word for it. We have to ensure that whatever he's saying could be backed by Scripture. Otherwise, it's just a man's, uh, a man's opinion or it's a man's perspective. Now, Solomon, of course, was, as we know in the Bible, considered the wisest man. So there's a lot of insights that he has that, obviously, we'd be wise to listen to anyway. But in any rate, <clears throat> whatever we do, we need to make sure that it aligns itself with Scripture. Now, in our specific portion of Scripture today, tonight, we're finding that Solomon is addressing this issue of justice. And, you know, it's funny how quickly our children learn the word fair. Isn't that something, how quick they learn that? I mean, more than not, it's used kind of like this. That isn't fair. It's interesting how quick a person shouts this phrase when, in their opinion, there are inconsistencies or imbalance in you know, how they're being treated compared to others. That's kind of something we learn very quickly in our lives, isn't it? That isn't fair. Well, everybody on the bus gets a cookie. And then there's a particular boy or girl who answers a Bible question or maybe... Uh, does some kind of uh, contest on the bus and as a result gets another cookie. And some child inevitably shouts out, I want another cookie. And they say, you already got your cookie. And they say what? That's not fair. He got two. You see how that works? Now, wait a second. In their mind or in their opinion, they feel that it's not fair because they themselves feel they've been mistreated. Although that person might have won a contest or maybe answered a question properly and was rewarded for their effort, <clears throat> they feel they deserve the cookie too. It's not fair. 
That's not fair. And Solomon is addressing the issue of justice. And the fact is, is that we're going to find that the, 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 that the passage that's being used is very helpful to us. As a matter of fact, we incorporate this passage in our justice system today. Swift justice. And we note that from the passage that there's some things that we, we are to learn. And, and if we apply biblical truth, whether we're lost or saved, it always benefits us. <clears throat> Sometimes we get the idea that you have to be saved in order to receive the benefit of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not true at all. The world benefits when they apply biblical principles. Because biblical principles are always best. So in this particular case, Solomon points out... <clears throat> That in the end, nobody really gets away with anything and justice will be served when it comes to the wicked and, those, and in relationship to those that serve God. I mean, sometimes as those that are faithful to the Lord, if you're, we'd be honest with ourselves, we feel like people are getting over, don't we? I think about the psalmist in chapter 73 when he says, man, I, I mean, I, let, let's turn over there. It, we might as well look there real quick. We got a few minutes. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 73. I believe that this is really kind of where he was, his struggling with uh, just the, the wicked and, and how they were prospering. And he felt that he was paying a great price for being godly and right. And he says in Psalm chapter 73, verse 1, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. And then he turns right around in verse 2 and says, But as for me. Now, God's good to Israel, there's no doubt, especially to those that have a clean heart. But as for me, my feet had, nigh well, had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. What other men? <clears throat> oh, those that are serving the Lord? Neither are they plagued like other men. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got a case here where we have a believer or we have at least someone that is involved in the house of Israel that's saying, that isn't fair. Justice isn't being served. But Solomon points out that sooner or later, justice will indeed be served. And he wants us to know that when it comes to the wicked, those that fear God come out ahead in the end may not appear that way at first, but it does indeed turn out that way. First, he states the importance of swift justice. I mean, justice needs to take place quickly. He says, <clears throat> he points out how slow justice affects mankind negatively. He basically implies that the wicked grow more emboldened in their evil and in their sin if it's not quickly judged, swiftly judged. See, there's something to be said about swift and immediate consequences, aren't there? We deal with our children. You know, it's one of those things. We're out in public, and, and one of the temptations is, well, we'll wait till we get home to deal with this. Children have a very short memory. And someone says, yeah, but you can't deal with your kids out in public. You can't deal with them anywhere else. If you're over at a family member's house or a friend's house, you just can't deal with them. If you're out on visitation, you can't deal with them. You just can't do those things. Well, you can. You just got to be willing to pay the price if it comes to it. Now listen, I'm not talking about beating the fire to your children in front of people. I mean, sometimes you get the wrong idea. First of all, you ought to be uh, training your children up in your home. Uh, let me just give you an example, and I'm just going to show you this real quick. I just want you to realize that your child should be taught to sit. Amen. Trained to sit. 
If you, can't, if, you, if you feel like your child will not sit and stay when they're told to sit and stay, you can train your child to sit and stay. You work with that at home. You train them at home to do that so that when they get out at places like church or the restaurant or they're over there at grandma so-and-so's house or over down there making the visits at someone's home, you can just say sit and they sit and they stay. You can do that. And I'll be honest with you, the expectation level that we have for our children today is like way low today. Well, you know, they're just kids. Oh, really? Well, I got a dog that can sit and stay. I mean, is my dog smarter than your kid? Oh, my kid's a genius. Then why are they acting so stupid? It's because you're not training them. You're not teaching them. Somebody says, I'm offended by that. Oh, well, I hope you get so offended you do something about it. Now listen, justice is important. And God's saying, listen, I don't even know why I got off on that tangent, but I'm just saying right now that, that this, this uh, uh, Solomon here, he's talking about this issue of justice and the importance of it. And by the way, it's going to end right for you and I. It just is. And so I want to share a couple of thoughts because um, evil behavior is detoured and it's even averted by swift and immediate punishment. And sometimes we, we believe that if it's not done immediately and, and, and from God's perspective, that somehow he's, he's sleeping on the job. Now, with our children, with mankind, we do need to have swift judgment. It's important that we do this. I'm not going to say it isn't. It's important, whether it be our children, whether it be in the justice system, it's important. I don't think people should sit on in, in a jail cell for a year and a half waiting for a court date so that they can get justice, find out whether they're innocent or guilty. I don't think that's right. And we got to deal with it. And people need to know that our culture is not going to put up with certain things. Otherwise, the wicked just grow more emboldened, more strong, more, uh, more, more sure of themselves and convinced that they can get away with it. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Now, again, a few thoughts that I think will be helpful to all of us concerning this issue. And we're going to take those verses. We're just going to look at some general thoughts and general ideas. And that's all we're going to do tonight. Nothing real complicated again. Just real simple. But I think things that will be helpful to us as we consider the overall picture of justice, especially when it comes to God, the wicked, and his people. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time together. Speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord. We do know and recognize the need, Father, to come to you and your word for leadership and understanding. When it's all said and done, Lord, if we're not doing things your way, we're doing them our way. Help us, Lord, to just truly understand what you have for us, what you're telling us. And may we apply your truths, understanding and realizing that, Lord, there is no better way than your way. Your ways are tried, proven, and tested. May you be glorified now, even tonight, in our hearts, our lives. And may we be encouraged tonight to know that you are a just God. And that it will be all right in the end, even if at times we're tempted to think it won't. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So first of all, the fact. God often lets sin go unpunished, or rather, partly unpunished. That's a reality. You know, that's not something that sits well with us. But it is true. God often lets sin go unpunished, or rather, partly unpunished. For instance, that tyrant, that, that national leader that is just a... Oh, I mean, he's never dethroned. He's still on top. He's still number one in the country. Why in the world doesn't God bring that national leader down? that has such a wicked perspective and a wicked view and lives a life the way they live it and, and, and oppresses his people or her people the way they do. Why does, they, why does God let that happen? I mean, the dishonest dealer 
or, or uh, is, is convicted, not sentenced. It's like, how do they get away with that stuff? I mean, the murderer's not apprehended. I mean, we never caught that guy. We never caught that guy. Who in the world murdered them? We don't know. We can't find the murderer. We don't know. They don't, we're not going to be able to bring him to justice. Why won't God bring them to justice? Why won't God give our police or somebody the, the wisdom to find that person and bring them to justice immediately? The drunkard, the drug addict, the delinquent, they're not driven from our society even though they abuse it. I mean, God allows these things. Why is God permitting this? Why is he letting it go unpunished? The hypocrite's not exposed. They're not cast out. Someone says, well, I know that, that, that guy is not real. He is not genuine. He is, he is superficial. He's a hypocrite. God, why aren't you doing something about that? Those who get rich at the expense of the poor often continue to prosper. Why is that? Well, come on. I'll tell you why. Because God often lets sin go unpunished, or rather partly unpunished at least. And sometimes it even appears that their spirit, their health, is totally and completely untouched by their sin and by their vices. That somehow it doesn't affect them negatively. I thought the way of transgressors is is hard. I thought it was supposed to be difficult. How come they seem to be doing just fine? Kind of like Psalm 73 does. So first of all, the fact. The fact is is that God often lets sin go unpunished, or rather partly unpunished. Now the falsehood. What does it mean when God allows this to happen? Well, the guilty are quick to convince themselves that it means safety to them, don't they? Once again, we're getting away with it, right? We're not seeing swift punishment. We're not being thrown into the, the mix. We're not being forced to... Uh, to deal with our consequences. Well, obviously, obviously, uh, there's, we're safe. We're safe. Or they think them, they think uh, to themselves. Well, obviously, God isn't really that concerned with, you know, the small particulars of human life. I mean, He's not really that concerned about little things that are going on, and therefore, He's not going to come to us with the penalties that, that probably others have told us. I mean, God's a just God, right? But God's not punishing me, so he's probably not that awfully concerned about what's going on right now in my life or in the lives of some of the others. He's probably somewhere in heaven. He's taking care of real terrestrial, uh, uh, terrestrial business. I mean, he's got other things that are far more important. I'm just, I'm able to slip. I'm sliding. I'm getting away with it. They figure, well, God's just too good, maybe. Maybe God's too good. I mean, why is he allowing this? To, well, maybe he's just that good of a God, right? He's so good, and he's, or he's too kind to punish his children for following the, the, the bend of their own nature. I mean, let's face it, we know that we can't help it, right? I mean, we're just sinners. And so when we're not seeing God punishing, or we're not seeing uh, uh, the consequences of sin immediately from God, we, if we're not careful, we may get the idea somehow that, well, God understands, He's such a loving God, such a kind God. Therefore, you know, that's why God's, God's uh, you know, he's allowing this to happen. He's, he's, not, he's not punishing immediately, he, or he's partly unpunishing, so to speak. And he's doing that because he's so good, and he's so kind, and he understands our natural bend towards sin. So they simply conclude <clears throat> that they can go on in their evil without fear of consequences. But listen, that's a falsehood. That's, fal- that's not true. 
I suppose that's one of the reasons why it's very important that at a very young age your children understand consistency in your discipline. Because they do need to realize that, listen, you can believe whatever you want, but how you train your children as a a father in in your home as they grow up, that's how they'll view God's God's personality in a sense. If if you you allow them to get away with sin, they're going to think God's going to allow them to get away with sin. If they're allowed to disrespect you and your, your wife, then they're going to think somehow that God's not going to be very upset with that either. It's important that you're consistent in these areas because you are forming in your child's mind an image and a picture of a heavenly father. That's important. Someone says, well, that sounds like a bunch of psycho babble stuff. Well, it may sound like it, but it is reality and it's true. And so it's important that that they understand these things. You say, yeah, well, God is God. Obviously, he he often lets sin go unpunished. So, so that wouldn't be inconsistent then. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, but in this world, what does that produce? It emboldens sinners. It makes them more apt to sin. You're not God. You need to show. You need to express the justice of God. And God is a just God. And we'll understand in a minute why God can allow this to happen when we can't. Why we view it as a um, as we view it as being somewhat lax and, and, and uh, inconsistent when in fact God is going to be very consistent in this thing. So we see the falsehood. We know the fact and falsehood. Number three, the, the foolishness. <clears throat> in our justice system, the penalty is to, follow the, is, is to follow the crime as soon as possible. So, you know, the crime is committed. We're supposed to get, get in there and, and ultimately, you know, you know, come to a conclusion. Guilty, not guilty. Uh, The judge has to pass sentence. And we want to do that as quickly as possible in our justice system. Uh, At least that in theory, right? I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And of course, judges and prosecutors alike will tell you that our court systems are backed up so far that, you know, it's just, it's it's a constant battle to even try to keep up with it. And I I don't doubt that. I believe that. Um, I really do. But that's how it's supposed to work. Now, That leads us and others that are criminals especially to believe then that whenever punishment is withheld for a season, it is in essence being condoned altogether. So if if there's not swift judgment, if if we're letting it go, we're letting it slide, I'll tell you what, I don't care what anybody says, but you can't just let people smoke uh, marijuana, you can't let people uh, do uh, petty crime, they may call it, and not be punished for it. You can't let police officers see people doing things wrong and do nothing about it, or people will come to the conclusion that they're just not going to do anything about it. That it's okay, obviously. They condone it now. I know what it says in the law, and I know that this is wrong according to the law, but obviously police officers don't care, so it's obviously not a big deal. I, I think, I, I really do. I, I don't think, I, I don't think that, you sh- that, that our police should let small things go. I know, and again, I get it. You know, there are people above them saying, we don't have the space in our jails. We don't have the court room, the room in our courts to deal with all of this. So, you know, close your eyes to some things. But I'm telling you, that's a danger when the culture starts to say those things because ultimately it's going to breed more sin and more crime. It's because that's what the Bible teaches. <clears throat> you say, well, then why does God do it? Well, we'll get into that. Again, if a person, if this goes on, if we're not careful, then we believe that God is in, is, is in the same boat. And, and that God's forbearance or his patience 
to punish is proof that he doesn't intend to punish at all. How many people have you met that are sinners and they've never trusted Christ, but they feel like somehow, eh, it'll be okay in the end. It'll be all right. It's almost as if they don't, God's not going to punish me. I mean, I've known a lot of other people that have been sinners like me and they've, they've done just fine. I know, I know somebody that <clears throat> smoked their whole life, lived to be 93. They're fine. I know somebody that drank and smoked and cussed and everything else. And man, I mean to tell you, he's 89 years old and he still seems to be doing okay. You know, we always got that story of that person that's beat the odds, that person that has overcome, that person that God continues to forbear or show patience to. And we wonder when we say to ourselves, well, then obviously God must not care that much. It's okay. You better be careful. They think that God's kind of like man then in this area, but they're wrong. See, <clears throat> you, know why we seek, you know why we seek justice as soon as possible, why we seek a penalty as soon as possible for the wrongdoing? I'll tell you why, because we're afraid the criminal is going to escape us. You know, if you got any, any wisdom at all, you know, we better deal with this right now or they may get away with it. We better deal with it right now because you know what? The truth is, is that I don't, I don't want them to get away with it. And I, I, I'm afraid they will. Let's nail them. Let's get it down to the bottom line. Let's deal with it right now. You know what the other reason is? We're afraid that we may be taken from the scene. We may die before we see justice. And I want to make sure that that person that did that to my family, that person that did that to that family, or that person that's out there doing those things that are a, a sin against society and our culture, I want to see it get done. I don't want to die one day and think and not see them get what they deserve. But see, God's not in a hurry. God's not concerned with any of those things. The fact is that the guilty can never get beyond his reach because he's ever present. He knows right where they're at. He knows what's going on in their life. He knows exactly what's taking place. And you know, time doesn't enter into the equation either. Because God is eternal. He's from everlasting to everlasting. See, he's not, confer- he's not afraid that the criminal's going to escape him because he knows right where he's at at all times. He's not afraid that somehow he'll be taken off the scene and that guy's going to get away with it in the end. No, he said, no, I, I, I'm, I know where they're at. They're not out of my reach. Not only that, but I can tell you this. I'm everlasting to everlasting, so I'll guarantee you one thing. I'll get to the bottom of it sooner or later. God's forbearance is therefore no proof of divine indifference. Or the absence of a ruling hand from the affairs of men. Listen, because God is forbearing, it does not mean that he is indifferent to sin. It doesn't mean that he's gotten lax in his old age. Well, he's been around a long time. Yeah, and he'll be around a lot longer. He's not grown weary. He's not grown tired. We're not putting him through the ringer. It's not like he needs a vacation or anything. He's not indifferent when it comes to this issue. He's still in the game. And he is not, it is not evidence that he is no longer in control and that he's not involved in the affairs of mankind. That, that is not what it is implying. Because God permits this, because the fact is that God allows or often lets sin go unpunished or seem to go at least partly unpunished. No, don't think for a minute that that means he has. So we note the forbearance then. We took just a moment and considered the fact, the falsehood, the foolishness. But what about the forbearance? This aspect of forbearance. 
what does this divine long-suffering really mean then? You know, that long-suffering that, that God is patient with us. And what's that all about? Well, I'll tell you, I believe it's because he's patient with us in the hope that we will ultimately repent and live. Again, see, God's not on our timetable. You don't put God in our little box. We look at God sometimes through the eyes of man, and we fail to recognize that he is eternal and that he is omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent, and we forget all of those characteristics and qualities, and we somehow think, well, if we don't, he don't get to justice now. That person's going to go on and continue to sin because they're going to assume that nobody really cares and they can get away with it. And, and furthermore, I want to see justice, and they deserve justice. And you know what? They do but they'll get it with God. They may not get it in your lifetime, but they'll get it with God because see, God, God's reach is, 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 they're within his reach at all times. And God is eternal, so therefore they're not going to get away with it. He's, I mean, he's, he knows exactly what the need is and he's, he's just giving them time as he's given us time to repent and get things right. Someone says, well, they don't deserve the chance to get right. Well, see, again, I'm not God, so I can't say all of that, what what goes on with that. But what I do know is that he's probably right even if I don't think he is. God probably has it figured out even though I think I know best. And I'll just trust him with that. I'm not saying it'll be easy all the time. I'm just saying that I'll trust him with that. But in Ezekiel 33.11, turn there, would you please? Ezekiel 33.11. This is the thing that's important, and it's important to understand. We're going to see this passage, and it's going to be a, a kind of an interesting passage. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a real, I, I like justice in a sense. You know what I mean? I like things being fair. I, I was one of those guys raising my kids that I felt like if you give an ice cream cone to one, you give it to all three. You know, if you're going you're gonna to love your kids, you need to love them the same. And, and I hear people say, well, you know, we all know that parents actually have their favorites and blah, blah, blah. Well, you did maybe. But the fact is, is that I don't. I, I make it a point not to have favorites. I choose not to have favorites. I choose not to. Now, listen, uh, let's be honest. If you've got one kid that's totally and completely rebellious, it's, it's harder to like them. If the other one's com- totally compliant and obedient. It's easy to be around this one. It's hard to be around that one. And that isn't because you don't love them the same. It's because they make it hard to be around them. There's a difference. And young people, if you feel somehow that your parents are struggling to be around you, maybe it's because you need to fix something. And if that's not the case, then, well, then obviously there's something they need to fix. But then again, that's not up to you to decide, okay? Unfortunately, one day you'll be able to be a parent and fix all the wrongs. And the truth is, you know what? Some people, some young people grow up and they learn from the mistakes of their parents. And I hope you do. If your parents have any mistakes, I'm sure your perfect parents are perfect like I am. <laughs> but nonetheless, Ezekiel 33, 11 says this, and note his perspective, God's. Say unto them, he says, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Wow but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? What he's talking about here, he's talking about his own people, Israel. And he says, man, I'm going to tell you, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Now, I don't know about you, but, I mean, let's be honest. In our flesh, our humanness, feels pretty good when the wicked get what they got coming. You say, how do you know that? 
I'll tell you why. Because there's nothing like a revenge movie. You know what I mean? That, that guy goes into, uh, you know, the, the gang comes into town and, and shoots up the town and kills the, a guy's wife and family and then runs off out of town and then he goes searching for him. And he's like, remember me? And they're like, no. You killed my family back in Yuma. And then he, draw. And when he takes that guy down, we're like, yeah, step on him even. I mean, it's like just, you know, that's awesome. Man, I can't wait. How's he going to get the next one? I mean, we like a good revenge show. We like the wicked getting their just dessert. You hurt and harm somebody, I love it when they get their reward. That's our flesh, right? But see, God's looking at things a little differently. First of all, he's not, he's not confined by the time restraints that we have. They're never out of his reach. He could snap them or take them out of this life like that if he chose at any moment. He could give them leprosy. He could give them cancer. He could give them anything he wants like that. He's not bound by the limitations that we possess. But God, on the other hand, sees things totally different than you and I. And notice what he says. He says, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his ways and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? See, God, the truth is God wants all men and women to repent. Well, that's, that's, that's really something, isn't it? You imagine somebody does something heinous or horrible in our culture. The first thing we want to do is see justice. God says, I want to see repentance. Now, God's not saying that the consequences aren't going to necessarily follow. They're going to. That's just life. You do things wrong, consequences come. But the fact is, is that God's heart is repent. Repent. Get it right. Make it right. Romans 2, 4 says, Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, knowing not that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? God says, listen, I'm being good to mankind. I'm sometimes extending this patience and forbearance. Why? Because I'm hoping that they will come to a conclusion that I am good and ultimately they will come to repentance. Again, in our humanness, we're very prone to question God's goodness and forbearance in the life of the wicked. But you know, it's interesting, isn't it? On the other hand, how often do we find ourselves willing to excuse or put up with the shortcomings of those we have invested in and that we love dearly. I mean, think about it. Think about our children for a minute. You know, they're just going through a phase of life. Yeah, I know, but look at how they're acting. They're just, I know my kids. They're going through a phase of life. They'll get through it. They learn, and then it seems at times they need to relearn the same lessons, doesn't it? To the outside eye, they appear at times to be somewhat unruly or maybe even undisciplined. But you know what? We understand it as a phase, or at least convince ourselves that we know them. And we're sure that they're really good kids. Isn't it amazing that a man can go out and murder a family, and his mother will say, yeah, but down deep, he's really a good boy. You ever notice that? Isn't that? Doesn't that blow you away? You're like, why did you have to interview the mom if she's going to say that? Why did you do that? But wait a second. You know why? Because mom sees that boy totally different 
than everyone else around them. You see your kids different than everyone else too. Because you see them at a different level. You've invested your life. You have a part in their being there. If, if, if you and your wife uh, uh, got together, were married, and now you have children or offspring, man, you've raised them from the time they were first born, and you've invested in their life, and there's an element of love and connection there that no one else can understand. You are much more patient with them than you are with others, in most cases. In most cases, you're much more forbearing with them than others. No, you just don't understand. He's really a, he is a good boy. It's just that he's kind of gone the wrong path. Or she's really a good girl. She's just gotten hooked up with the wrong kind of friends. But if that's someone else's kid and they do something wrong, it's so much easier to want justice or to say, Let's, it's time for consequences here. I, I'm not justifying it either way. I'm just saying that God is saying, listen, I created every one of you. I know you in a way that no one else knows you. I have hopes and dreams and aspirations for every last one of you. I could snuff your life out like that. The truth is is that you have all been my enemy at some point, whether you're saved or lost. The fact is you were born into sin, and that sin is a repulsiveness to me. I am repulsed by your sin, and yet I look at you as my creation, and I want more for you than that, and I love you, and I want you to repent. And we put so many different degrees on sin, and we say, well, that one deserves punishment. Right now, that one we can be a little more lenient, and this one, but God's looking at us all the same. We're his creation. And we might even be his children if we've trusted Christ. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what God sees in mankind. I, I do not get it. I, I, I don't. I mean, somebody that would ruthlessly kill another person with no regard to their feelings, their, just to go do it for no reason. I mean, there's this crazy stuff that happens in our world today. Man, in my mind, man, hang that dude. In my mind, put him in a room with the parents and let them go at it. In my mind, give that other person any means by which the, the ones that have hurt, let them take that thing and deal with it. Man, let's get that thing handled. Let's do it right now. I want justice served. But God's looking at it and going, hey, he's my creation. And I know what the potential could be. His heart is black with sin. His heart is dark with sin. But I know he could be somebody. If he turns to me, if he repents of his sin. And God sometimes allows things to go on. And I don't know why they don't get the electric chair. I don't know why they don't get, you know, this or that. I don't know why we don't have that. Maybe God's allowing that person time to repent. I don't get it. But God does sometimes. And I think we have to trust God with justice. Sometimes we just have to trust him. He says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Hey, that's a tough one to swallow. That's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. I get it. I understand when people go half-cocked and take justice in their own hands to some degree. I get how people can mentally, emotionally find themselves in that place. I get it. But biblically and scripturally, that is not something that the believer ought to do. I know, you say, if I'm a man, a man's got to stand up. I get it. But let me tell you, biblically, he is the one. He's the one that pays vengeance. It's not for me to have vengeance. It's for him to have vengeance. 
And God will bring vengeance. God will deal with the problem in time. Not our time necessarily, but he will deal with it. Again, we consider God to be patient to a fault sometimes. How can you let this go on? But God says in Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I don't know about you, but that's a tough one. I mean, Brother Dave Herman, he goes into the prisons on a regular basis and he preaches to these men that have done things. And, and honestly, you want to know something? One of the first things they tell you when you, you train to go into the prisons is never ask anybody what they've done. Don't ever ask them what they've done. And if they try to tell you what they've done, just say, you know what, it doesn't matter right now. Listen, you do not want to know what some of those men have done if you're going to deal with them. And why do they tell us to do that? Why are we instructed that way? Because in our humanness, we want justice now. And maybe sitting in a prison, whether it's for life or whether it's only for 10 years or five years, maybe in our mind it isn't even equal justice. But remember, they've not gotten away from somebody that's big enough to bring real justice, and that's God. And so you just have to trust God with them. And God's saying, I want them to repent. Whether you want them to repent or not, I do. I have a vested interest. I created them. Those that are in sin, and and, and sin always brings suffering. And it is always a means by which doom comes. We read in Galatians 6.70, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. There are always consequences for sin. There always are. Now, now listen. In your own life, you may have sin that nobody else knows about. You, you may have things that you are able to hide from people. You may have a wife. You're hiding things from her. Wife, you may be hiding things from your husband. There may be sins in your lives. Let me tell you something. You're not getting away with it. Because see, the God whose reach is unlimited and the God whose life is eternal keeping good records. But if you will not do so, he says, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Oh, it, it'll come out sooner or later. Amen. Someone says, well, I know somebody and we didn't find out till after they were dead. Well, it came out. And well, what about that person that was so good at what they did, hiding their sin, that nobody ever found out? Well, God knows, and it'll, it'll definitely visit them again in the near future, eternal future. See, there are always consequences for sin, and the transgressor always ends up losing. Psalm 37, 38 says, But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. Proverbs 2.22 says, But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressor shall be rooted out of it. Proverbs 13.50, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of, the trans, of transgressors is hard. I'm telling you, it may not appear hard now, but it will be, if not now, later. The key is, is time again. For us, we're not going to live forever. We want to see justice now. For us, we're limited in our scope. 
I want to be around to see it. I want to know that it's being taken care of. God's saying it'll be taken care of. You can trust me to take care of business. Solomon, he... He says, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Boy, you know, there's truth to that, isn't there? And so we've come to the conclusion that God must act like man then. Because that is true in this life, it must be true across the board. All I'm saying is, is that God's timetable is different. See, to us, swift judgment is immediate judgment. A day is as a thousand years to the Lord. What if God waits 30 years before the hammer falls? Is that really a long time? Not for God it isn't. For you and I it is, but not for God. What if he waits 50 years or 80 years? What if he waits till the day of judgment? For God it's just like that. Swift judgment like that. 20 years down the road, just like that. For you and I, it seems like a lifetime. And we need to be careful that we don't put God in a little box and say, now God, you have to, you have to be just. And justice is defined by us. We'll tell you whether or not you're being a good God. We'll tell you whether you're being a fair God. And you know why people get angry with God? Because he doesn't respond justly in their mind. They look at God and say, that's not fair. I served you my whole life to this day. And you let that happen to one of my family members. You let that happen to me. You took my family member. You allowed this to happen. What we're saying is, God, you're not just. You're unfair. Because once again, we tried to put him in our little box. We think we know what justice really is. Because we know biblically For mankind, there's no doubt swift justice is important. It's necessary. But sometimes we put God in the same place and say, you must operate on our time frame. And God says, but I can't because I am eternal. I'm not not bound by the laws that I created on earth. I transcend them. Because I am so much higher than you. So beyond your concept or thoughts, you have to trust me because you can't understand me. And so we do. We trust God. We trust him with justice. And when we don't understand why he allows certain things, we just trust him knowing that he is just. And that he will bring justice in the end. And we trust him with it. So Solomon just speaks to us about justice a little bit. And I guess if I had a title to the message, I'd say, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. You don't get away with sin. And God's people always come out on top. They always do. Maybe not in our time frame, when, as we look at it or view it. But if we will simply trust God in the end, you can rest assured 
everything will be fine. Don't be fooled. The wicked get theirs, and the just get theirs. Don't think somehow they're getting over. They're not. Let's let God worry about that. Let's just worry about helping him bring them to repentance. Father, we come to you.